Hello and welcome to this week's Sports Girls podcast. I'm Denise O'Flaherty. Well, we have to start the show by paying tribute to Eamon Murray, the Cavan man who brought me, the ladies, on a remarkable journey from All-Ireland Intermediate Champions in 2020 to All-Ireland Senior Champions in 2021 and 2022. The Gowna man resigned from his position at the weekend. We certainly did, and today was an outrageous proud day for a, a cabin man like me. And uh, my God, that I enjoyed that day. And as you all know, I never wanted this job, and had to force me to take it over. So, and I was lucky to get the great people who got with me, the coaches and the players I have are just amazing. Like, and I wear a camera, but we never really won on the region meet, a B or Aaron or something. We won at 16s against Donegal, was it 0-9? Yeah, 2009, but but just got a good bunch with a good management team together and great coaches, so we're blessed. To have this brilliant belief that they're best friends, that you know everyone, there's never a bad word in their heads, and you can go training with us, you watch the fun we have. People telling me last year that I should never be allowed to train a thing with them and, and, and too much fun, and I said, I shouldn't be, you know, so. They're a very special bunch, so it takes a very special bunch to do that, though, to go two in a row. Look at the strange times to be a, a lead football manager, so uh, it can only help the future. Look at that crowd we had there today, it was amazing. It's worthwhile doing it for them and all. Like, I think we showed Kerry and a few other teams that it can be done. And uh, Eamon, oh gosh, he's just brilliant. Um, and, you know, he'll always say it, and it's it's really important that he always wants us to go out and, and like, enjoy our football and stuff. And we definitely do. Like, as a group, we had so much fun together. We've, we work really, really hard, obviously, but we also have a laugh and stuff at training. And, you know, that that's something that Eamon really believes in and really implements. So, yeah, it's, it's really special. I think, yeah, it's a bit of an emotional day, or an emotional day for a lot of people. Like, it's just, it's so special. And, um, you know, last year was just incredible, but this is just, I don't know, another level. So the results from the weekend in the Women's National League. DLR Waves defeated Cork City 1-0. Paymount United were 6-0 winners at home to Treaty United. Wexford Dutes kept up the pressure on leaders Shelburne with a 5-2 win away to Bohemians. Athlone Town had a 4-2 win over Sligo Rovers, while leaders Shelburne defeated Galway 2-1. There was disappointment for the Irish women's rugby team who lost 29-10 to Japan in their second test. My guest this week is someone who has always given minority sports airtime and support. He follows the Irish women's hockey team and the women's soccer team when it wasn't fashionable and always gave them great coverage. I was delighted to chat with Declan Hughes about the women's hockey team and the upcoming World Cup qualifier games for the soccer team. Declan Hughes, you've been covering and following the Irish women's hockey team before it was even fashionable. Yeah, I first went to see them as they attempted to qualify for the 92 Olympics in London and they came very, very close to qualifying for said Olympics but uh, missed out two games away from potential qualification by losing a key game in the qualifier. Then I, I've been following them, as you say, more or less ever since then. Um, there was the heartbreak of trying to qualify for Rio where they lost to China on a penalty shootout. Then eventually they, they made their first Olympics uh, with the uh, most recent games held in Tokyo. But before all that, of course, there was a uh, almost 20-year gap between qualifying for World Cups. I think they qualified one in 2002. And the next one they qualified for, one was, of course, was the uh, famous one in London in 2018. And that was a very, very special occasion because, again, they'd come close to trying to qualify for that as well. 
and come up short. But uh, the 2018 uh, World Cup was a bit special and I was there for every day of the tournament. Yeah, I remember you telling me about going over to it and I was absolutely delighted. How did the interest in hockey come about? Well, actually, it's very funny because I piled around with a chap who went to a school where he played hockey at secondary level. I had an academic interest in it as far back as the 70s. And occasionally on programs, I don't know if you're old enough to remember Sports Stadium, there used to be programs on BBC, UTV and uh, RTE where they'd show, like, sport all afternoon on Saturday and you'd have the 12.30 race from such and such and then there'd be a sport slotted in between then and the next race at 12.45 and then there'd be another sport slotted in between the next race at 1 o'clock and they showed like a whole programme of races from different parts of Ireland and Britain and they'd slot these other sports in between and occasionally you'd get uh, the Irish Hockey Cup Finals and you get back in the days they only played five or six internationals a year the program's a lot bigger now you'd get the odd home international in the home international series because Ireland played England, Scotland and Wales regularly every year you'd get to see one or two of the games played in Dublin usually uh, on that so you get to see three or four hockey matches a year which <laughs> being realistic about it is bigger coverage than they get now that's that's kind of where the interest was stoked when I was a child uh, Denise I lived in Canada for six years and I became a big fan of ice hockey and how I got to learn to get familiar with um field hockey as the Americans would call it what the, the sport we're talking about now is I quickly learned that when I went to my first couple of matches the ball moves across those um, artificial pitches that are water based as quickly as a puck goes across ice so I learned after the first couple of matches I went to see that I could anticipate where the ball was going to be just by the way the player addressed the, the ball with stick so once I worked that out, and I also worked out it was the same tactics as soccer and the same formations as soccer, I had a basic fundamental level of understanding of the game before I knew any of the rules. That helped me acclimatise to the game very, very quickly. And uh, as I said, they use the same tactic formations as soccer. And uh, Denise, you know, I know we're both passionate about soccer as well. Yeah. So that, that was a very easy foot into the game when I started covering it on a regular basis about, about 10 or 11 years ago. The thing about you, you always give, I'll put it in inverted commas, a minority sport or a sport that wouldn't get the coverage that it deserves. You always give them time, like the League of Ireland, you have a show there for them. So it must have been great when you had that opportunity on Dublin City to actually cover the Irish women's hockey team. Yeah, it was it was fantastic, but you know you're on the right track when you accidentally do the right thing. Mm. Um, our former CEO uh, spoke to me one day, and he says, yeah, I heard your program yesterday. And I said, oh, yeah. Yeah, I heard you interviewing Keith Crawford. Now, Keith Crawford at the time was the head coach of the Pembroke Wanderers women's team. I said, oh, yeah, do you know Keith? He says, yeah, he's my, gro- he's my godson. <laughs> I didn't know that at the time. So that was kind of stumbling on it. I accidentally did the right thing in covering hockey because... Your man had an interest in hockey, but he never expressed it. And uh, so I just kind of stumbled upon hockey and started giving a bit of coverage. So it was nice to know I was seen to be on the right track. With the, sta- with the station we have, we're a community station. We're based in the city county of Dublin. I was just given a sort of rough mandate, trying to do local, regional, provincial, na- national, international, and so on. What the domestic league enables me to do is we've an All-Ireland Hockey League for men and women covering all 32 counties uh, of the country. I cover that as well. Now, this season in the men's league, there'll be six teams from Dublin in the All-Ireland division. And there'll be, um, I think, five teams from Dublin in the women's division. So by doing the local, regional, provincial, national thing, I'm able to do it all in one fell swoop. And then the other clubs 
in the case of the men's league, the other four teams are all from Ulster. And in the case of the women's, there's three teams from Ulster and one from Limerick. So it's, yeah, it's six women as well in that one. By covering the Dublin teams, I'm giving the other teams coverage as well because they play the Dublin teams. So it ticks all the boxes. It's brilliant. It couldn't have um, worked out better for you. Recently, Ireland qualified for the European Championships to be held in Germany. Qualifiers were held in Dublin. So it was great to see people having an interest or it being in Ireland so people could go to those games. Well, that has been the problem with some of the qualifications we've had in the past. I remember when the men qualified for the 2016 Rio Olympics, uh, they qualified in Buenos Aires. <laughs> it wasn't mm. practical for a lot of people to go. And in fact, that had a knock-on effect on Hockey Ireland's budget because um, they were partly responsible for replacing the uh, pitch at the National Stadium in Belfield. And because they had to go to Argentina in 2015 to, for this particular qualification tournament, uh, they didn't have enough money to replace the pitch. So the pitch in UCD didn't get, didn't get replaced for three or four years when some, a benefactor left money in his will for um, sports facilities in UCDs to be upgraded, in particular an athletics track. Now, the new athletics track will be opening in Belfield shortly, but he, he had a, allowed enough money to cover the athletics track and he said, do what you want with the rest. So the first thing that the, um, the university did with the rest of the money was they replaced the pitch in, in UCD, but it didn't happen. It didn't open until 20, 2018. You mentioned the Hockey World Cup earlier on um, in 2018 in London and... It's amazing with Irish people. We could call it maybe a bandwagon, but when anyone from Ireland or any team from Ireland is doing well, the people do tend to get behind them, like we look at the cricket and that. It was weird to see my timeline full of people who were supporting or watching the Irish ladies. As you said, you were over there and I was just so happy that you got there and got to the final to see them play there. Yeah, well, I mean... It, it was no more than the girls deserved, but like, you know, most of those people were what I call Johnny and Joni come lately. Uh, <laughs> realizing just what a great side they were. Mm. But, um, I had met the, the, the incoming Lord Mayor of Dublin on the first Sunday in July of that year. And he, he had been partaking, partaking in a current affairs program in the station. And I was going to the station early to prepare my sports show. And I was introduced to him. And he says, oh, I'm very interested in sport. I said, are you now? I said, well, you might want to keep an eye on, on our uh, ladies hockey team. I said, in three weeks' time, they're uh, heading off to London to the World Cup. And I said, I honestly believe they can make the quarterfinals. And he says, I'll tell you what I'll do, Declan. If they make the quarterfinals, I'll have a civic reception for them. So that was the reason why the civic reception happened so quickly, because they qualified for the quarterfinals a good 10 days ahead of the final. So the mayor, to be fair to him, was organizing civic reception for more than a week. And that's why it all, it all slotted in so brilliantly when they came home the, the night after the, being in the final. Nobody could believe we're sewn together so quickly. But in fairness to the mayor, he'd been organising it. He kept his word to me. He'd been organising it since they qualified for the quarterfinals. You mentioned that you expected them to get to the quarterfinals. Did you secretly believe that they could actually get on the run that they did and get to a final? Well... What I expected them to do was, the way the group was set up, England were the, 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 the seeds in, in our group. We were in with England, the States, and I think it was Spain. And England, England were, were, were the seeds in the group. So um, we weren't expected to do anything against them. What I thought was, I thought we'd come second or possibly third and go into what was called a crossover match and qualify for the quarterfinals by that route. Now, had that happened, we would have ended up where England eventually ended up and come up against the Dutch. And then I thought we'd get to the quarterfinals, get beaten, and that would have been that would have been fine because that would have been more than Ireland had yeah. ever achieved at a World Cup to that point. And um, as things happened, we beat the Americans, and England drew the first match, which meant that by the time we played England in the final match, 
England had to beat us to qualify and we'd already won the group and that was where we won our first two group matches and we're already in the quarterfinals automatically because the, the, the four group winners went through automatically yeah. the second and third played the uh, if you were in group A you played the third team in group B in what was called a crossover match and then the third team in your group had played the second team in group B and so on and it was done across the four groups that way and that was how they sorted out who was going to qualify for the last four spots in the quarterfinals. So the four group winners went through to the quarterfinals automatically and 2v3 across the groups played a crossover match. Now I thought we were going to go through via the crossover route and I said we would have ended up against the Dutch had that happened in, in the, the way the draw was set up. But because we beat England, we went straight through to the quarterfinal and, and we ended up, I think, playing India. That, that made things a lot easier uh, from that point of view because we, were, we already had a bye to the quarterfinal uh, without having to go through the, the crossover match. And um, once we got, once we won our quarterfinal and we won our semi-final, well, we were up against the Dutch in the final, so we were never going to win that match. And I honestly think if we hadn't won the semi-final, we might have ended up fourth because uh, I don't think we'd beaten Australia in the third place match. Isn't it amazing to think that out of those 16 teams that played in the World Cup, we were ranked 15th? That's right, we were. Uh, and I think the only other team ranked below us in that tournament was Italy. They were 17th, but they didn't get out of the pool stages. That shows you the level of achievement that, uh, that that team did. But they were a very, very talented side. And as a UCD man, I was extremely proud. Of the 19 players that were used during the World Cup, nine of them were past or present UCD players. The hockey program in UCD has been that successful over the years. We didn't win uh, an Irish Senior Cup from 1951 to 2009. And since 2009, uh, the ladies have won six. When you think of that achievement, and we said like they were ranked 15th out of 16th, do you think, though, honestly, that the girls got the recognition that they deserve? Well, as I said, I thought that the 15th ranking was probably very unfair to them. Uh, I think where they are now, where they're about... Uh, I think they're about 11th or 12th in the world. I think it's more mm. realistic and probably would have been fair to the previous group. But mm. I think player for player, if you could go back to 2018 and bring that squad back in a time in a time machine to the present year, I think the 2018 squad would... There's still three or four players from the 2018 squad in the current squad. But if they were all playing for the 2018 squad with youngsters replacing them, I think the 2018 team would win. Isn't it great to see that... More know, talent and more yeah. experience on that side. As a hockey man... Is there things that you would like to change? Obviously, coverage, and but you're doing it yourself. But is there things that you would like to see change in the sport or change around the sport? Well, one of the problems with coverage is when I started covering hockey, there was a guy in Cork covering it. There was uh, Stephen Findlater and David Metcalf covering it uh, in the Dublin area. There was uh, John Flack for the Belfast Telegraph and Nigel Ringland of BBC Northern Ireland. And then I joined that crew. So there was about, mm. I suppose, including all of us, there have been seven of us covering the sport. There's less than three at the moment. And that, uh, John Flack sadly passed away in, uh, earlier this year. Uh, Stephen Findlater has just been given a job with the European Hockey Federation, so he won't be able to cover the domestic uh, situation as often as he had done in the past. Uh, the chap from Cork has emigrated. Uh, David Metcalf's retired. So there's, the, the level of coverage that they're going to get this year isn't, isn't high as it was even last season. It's a, a, an absolute shame. The EYHL doesn't get anywhere near the coverage it deserves. It's a fantastic competition. Sadly, even though the national team was well supported, it's very, very like the situation. It's also the League the, of uh, Ireland. Yeah, very like the League of Ireland. Well, I mean, if you look at how the uh, how the, the All Ireland division is shaped, 
the parallels of the League of Ireland are uncanny. I mean, in the men's league, there's six Dublin teams and four from Ulster. That's very like the Premier Division mm. of, the, of the League of Ireland, really, isn't it, when you think about it? And in the women's one, there is um, one Munster team, three Ulster teams, and the rest are from Dublin. It, it's very, very similar to to uh, to the way the League of Ireland is set up in, within the within the parameters that they operate. Obviously, given it's an all Ireland league, uh, for example, we have Ards and Mutinards in the women's division, and then we have three Belfast teams in the women's division, and then in the uh, in the men's division, Annadale, Cookstown, Liz McGarvey, and Banbridge all from the north, and the rest of the teams are all from Dublin. All from Dublin. Yeah, because I thought maybe with the ladies doing so well at international level that it might come back down. But as you said, you likened it to the League of Ireland. If you had to pick out a highlight and for yourself, I suppose there's lots. And I'd probably be amazed at what Declan Hughes picks out as a highlight for him following and covering the Irish women's hockey team. Well, I I think um, although the quality of the games weren't great the playoffs that qualified us for the Olympics would have to be up there because we had never qualified for the mm. Olympics before uh, the interest in the game was so big they had to hire the rugby ground in Donnybrook to take the interest of the crowd and it actually cost them uh, 300,000 euros to lay down to buy lay down and take up a temporary pitch in Donnybrook and hire the stadium and even though the two games were 6,500 sellouts and even though they had television rights and so on, despite that, Hockey Ireland actually lost money on that. But it was worth it in terms of raising the profile of the sport. And again, the spin-off interest in the women's team was seen with the crowds they were able to get in the temporary stands that were erected in Abbottstown for the qualification tournament recently, where they beat uh, Poland by three goals to nil in the first match, the Czech Republic by one goal to nil in the second match, and Ireland won 7-0 in the third match to qualify them for, as you said, at the top of this piece uh, for next year's European Championships, which will be in Mönchengladbach in Germany. Mönchengladbach, of course, a name very familiar to soccer fans of Borussia Mönchengladbach, uh, the soccer team that plays in the same city. So has uh, Declan got his passport to one side are you going to head to Germany next year uh, that depends on how the Irish women's soccer team do in the World Cup qualifiers because I don't know if I can afford to go to Australia and Germany in the same year yeah because the thing about it is I mentioned it with in right to commas minority sports because that's exactly what you do I've always had a grow for sports women and I've always had a grow for women's sport and I've been interested in women's soccer for 30 years. My first dabbled in women's hockey in 1994 when we hosted the World Cup in UCD. And I thought, gosh, this is good. I must get back to it. Life got in the way and it was 18 years before I got back to it. But I'm, I haven't left. And you did mention the Irish soccer team. And it's great to see, you know, when you tell it about women in sport and that, that these ladies are now playing to sell out crowds as well. Yeah, I mean, the recent Euros in England were, were fantastic. Yeah. And... Uh, my, my little anecdote about uh, the England women's squad was I had booked a holiday in Belgrade in 2011 in, from, in September of that month, uh, months in advance. And before I knew it, the draws for the qualification for the 2013 Women's Euro Tournaments came up. And lo and behold, there were group matches being played the weekend I was due to go to Yugoslavia. So I looked at the Ireland fixture list and saw that Ireland were away in Wales. Now, I didn't go to Ireland away matches at the time. So I thought, good, I'm not going to miss a home game. That's fantastic. So I thought, to myself, I wonder if Serbia have a match when I'm over there. So I looked at the fixtures. Not only would Serbia uh, have a match that weekend, they were at home. And not only were they at home, they were playing at Belgrade. Now, to put things in context, 10 years earlier, I'd been over there with a the women's soccer team from 
the Republic of Ireland uh, playing in a tournament. And women's soccer was big outside the capital, but not in the capital. So for women's soccer to have moved to Belgrade meant that women's soccer had become a, become a factor in, in the city. And all the big clubs had, by that stage had women's teams. So I ended up getting to see England play Serbia in Belgrade. And I was queuing up for a plane to fly to, to Belgrade. And lo and behold, there were all these ladies in tracksuits. Now, I couldn't see from the distance I was at which international team it was but by the time I, I ended up in the queue behind them it was the England women's team going to play against Serbia and um, the current Brighton women's manager uh, Hope Powell was the manager of England at the time and I got chatting to a couple of the girls and uh, I let one of them think she was persuading me to go to their match on the Saturday and fully intended to go all along <laughs> because they were so nice and they were so such, such great kids and whatever I've had a soft spot for the England team ever since and two or three of that squad that were in the queue with me. Now, I didn't meet the three individuals concerned. It would have been Jill Scott, Ellen White, and I think one other. Always had a soft spot for them from the time I met them in the airport. And I was thrilled to see them win the recent European uh, soccer championship, to tell you the truth. It is amazing. You know, they would be classed as the old enemy. But I think it's sports that, or even in rugby, we would have that kind of, you know, we wouldn't mind. I know Eddie Jones kind of can rub people up the wrong way. But in rugby, you don't mind them neither there. But looking at our own team, and you see that now that we now have household names. If you mentioned Katie McCabe to someone a couple of years ago, they'd be like, or Nia Fahey or Diane Kiernan. People wouldn't have known them, Saoirse Noonan. Now these girls are household names. Yeah, and it's it's due to the coverage, to be fair to RT, not afraid to use very often, it's due to the coverage the national team has gotten over, mm. over the last number of years. TG Carr's doing a great job oh, covering the domestic league. and um, But they always do it. I mean, they did, they had access to the League of Ireland for one season a few years back, and they did a brilliant job because that, that crowd, Nemeton, that they use are really, really good with their sports coverage. In fact, um, a lot of people don't know this, but um, Ireland hosted the lacrosse, under 21 World Championships recently and uh, I was in I was in America watching it on ESPN the world final at under 21 level from the University of Limerick and Nemerson were providing the, uh, the the technical backup to ESPN for that so I mean that shows you the quality of the people TG Cahar have you working for them it's, it's a, it, it, it just shows the excellence that their coverage of, of sports in general women's soccer uh, and anything they turn their hand to rugby etc they do a brilliant job but like for ESPN to call on them to cover a, a sport they were showing in America, America played Canada the final and, and America won it. That just shows the caliber of people we have in this country on the technical side of things when it comes to doing uh, live sport. And TG Cahar's main people were involved with, uh, with 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 that coverage. How do you see Thursday's game going? How do you see Thursday's game going? Um, well, given we beat them away. We should be slight mm. favourites, but there's been a few changes. Like Finland didn't do well in the uh, Euros and part of the company with their manager. So they've got a new manager, so there might be a new style of play. Having said that, though, he, because it's their under-17 women's manager and he's male, uh, I can't think of his name at the moment, but I saw I saw it over the weekend. He may not have had enough time to, to, to change the style of play that greatly because of, you know, that the Euros only finished at the end of July. So um, this might be a good time to get them because the guy's only kind of starting off. But I'd say if he had them, if he had them for two or three games, it could be a very, very tricky fixture. It could be, still be a tricky fixture, but if we can, if we can draw or better, and then beat Slovakia in the last game because Finland have uh, Sweden in their last match, and the Swedish manager at the end of the game when we drew with them promised to beat Finland for Ireland to help us get through. 
didn't have to say that. But it was nice. It was nice of him to say it at the end of the match uh, when we held them to a draw. Don't worry, we'll be filling for you, kind of thing. But that shows you that they're interested in winning that match. They all probably want to go through the whole thing unbeaten, and they want to make sure that they don't drop any more points, etc. And if that if that was to be the scenario, we would go into a playoff situation. Now, the playoff situation is quite complex and difficult to explain at this point in time. By the time we reach those playoffs, I'll probably have my head around it and probably be able to explain it to you then. Obviously, you're going to the game, and I mentioned about your love of the sport. When you think of it, if someone had said to you a couple of years ago that Ireland having a chance of uh, qualifying for a World Cup, the women's hockey team had been in a World Cup, been to a Olympic Games and secured themselves a place in the European Championships and this with the, the soccer team and the hockey team all in the space of a couple of weeks, would you have called for some medication? No, um, in fairness, they've done two World Cups and Olympics and they've qualified for the top tier of the Europeans back-to-back as well. Uh, and that's with a team undergoing transition. I mean, there's only five survivors from the uh, 2018 World Cup squad in the current squad at the moment. So um, that's quite an achievement when you look at it in the context of the, the turnover of players. And, you know, everybody concerned the development of the squad, the um, the backroom team, Hockey Ireland and the players themselves deserve a lot of credit for maintaining that level of success despite the fact that there's so much transition taking place with regards to playing personnel. However, uh, from here on in, we'll be expecting, this is more or less the squad we're going to have going forward with an Olympics in two years' time, which they need to qualify for as well, in Paris. It's almost a home Olympics, and uh, I would hope that if the the girls do make it to Paris, that uh, a lot of Irish fans will be able to go over and watch them play. Although, uh, as we've seen in the past, um, um, uh, about 10 or or so years ago almost, uh, uh, Olympic ticketing can be problematic. And uh, obviously, as I said, uh, yeah, the w- women's soccer team as well, a chance to be in a World Cup. It is a fantastic time to support women in sport, isn't it? It is. It's a, it's a fantastic time to do it. But, um, you know, I was covering it when it was neither um, profitable nor, pre- nor nor fashionable. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember being laughed at in, jo- in a job one day when I, when I told people I'd been at a women's soccer international over the weekend. But um, they're not laughing now, put it that way. Exactly. It is fashionable now. Listen, Declan, thank you so much. Keep supporting and reporting on those sports. Hopefully we'll uh, get a result on Thursday night and then who knows with um, our women's national teams in whatever sport they're playing in. There's another game not long after Thursday night away in Slovakia and it's those two results that will decide whether we make the playoffs or not. So it's important that they keep up the momentum, that they do well on Thursday and they keep it going in, in uh, I think it's it's in Senitsa, Senitsa, I think it's the name of the place. It's just outside Bratislava. It's the Slovakian uh, National Football Training Centre where they play a lot of the matches and uh, that's where I will be playing Slovakia on I think the Tuesday after the Thursday. So uh, we wish them the best of luck. Listen, Declan, keep it up. And we wish Vera Pau and the Republic of Ireland women's team the very best of luck on Thursday in their World Cup qualifier game against Finland at Tallis Stadium. That game kicks off at 7 o'clock and it was amazing that the game sold out within hours of tickets being released. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Medell Healthcare. So until next week, Slonga Fold.